You're listening to Lessons from the Boardroom, a business podcast with Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards. Hey, everyone. I'm Kevin Minton, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, I'm excited about our podcast today because we're going to be hosting a gentleman who's started a grassroots technology business. He built it to scale, and I'm positive he's going to have some absolutely hilarious stories to tell us about his journey. Our guest today is my good friend, Doug Morris, who is the founder and CEO of Computer Systems Innovations, Inc., uh, better known as CSI, and they're located in Wheaton, Illinois, near Chicago. CSI has focused on helping not-for-profits with their technology needs since 1991. While Doug leads CSI, he still gets his hands dirty on a daily basis. From working directly with clients and prospects to develop applications and integrations, he's always active in the community. Doug also volunteers on several not-for-profit software boards and believes in giving back as the key and highly recommends it. Um, he recommends also reading the book, The Go-Giver, which he believes everyone should read. Uh, in fact, I just completed this book uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I, I would highly recommend that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Doug Morse to the show. Doug, how are you doing today? Thanks, Kevin. I'm doing awesome. It's Friday. I got the weekend in front of us. It's uh, got a pretty nice day here in the Chicago area and even a better weekend coming our way. So I'm pretty ready. That's fantastic. Well, Doug, let's get started here. Please tell us a bit about yourself and share some background about computer systems innovations and how you got started. Well, uh, you know, interestingly enough, uh, I got into programming when I was uh, in high school. We had uh, my freshman year in high school, there were two Apple computers we had. And by the time I made it to sophomore year, there were 20. And so my high school was just starting with the uh, computers and uh, kind of watched the kids and they were staring at them. They were being challenged by these machines. And uh, obviously it was a while back. And I thought I'd like to be challenged like that. So I started programming and ended up uh, doing some programming work um, from my sophomore year. I actually got a job working at a, a small manufacturing shop that had a lot of custom programming stuff and worked there. And even after I started my company, basically, um, during that time, I uh, went and got a degree in mechanical engineering because I thought for some reason that made more sense than computers. Uh, ended up going to work for a Fortune 100 food manufacturer and uh, then decided to uh, start my own company somewhere along the way. And uh, so about two years in the corporate world and then last 29 here. So in other words, you were about 13 when you started your own company? Uh, seven and a half. Thanks, Kevin. Seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us uh, a little bit about your business. Tell us what you do. What is CSI? What what does that company uh, do, and and how does it operate? What's the, what's the story? So we um, since uh, the late '90s, we've been focusing uh, exclusively on not for profits and helping them with their membership needs, uh, membership software needs. So uh, tracking their members, doing dues billing, and uh, handling event registrations and orders and fun things like that. Uh, somewhere along the way, we got into a little niche of chapter-based organizations. So we do a lot of work with fraternity and sorority headquarters. And uh, th those being chapter organizations, as well as some other uh, uh, 
of honor societies and whatnot that uh, really focus on chapters. So we that's our focus. We represent a software package uh, that is sort of designed for them. And then we enhance that software package. We have about 20 add-on products that make that package even better. So we're about half consulting and about half uh, products at CSI. And so how did you get started in this? What was it that led you to, uh, other than programming, what was it that led you towards this direction with this uh, with this actual business? Well, it was a pretty interesting story. Um, CSI started as a programming uh, shop, and so we were going to write custom programming. And I actually had a partner uh, who uh, stayed with me for a whole six months and uh, still a good friend of mine. But uh, we were going to be programming. And then we started to get into let's do network support. Won't that be fun? And then somewhere along the way, uh, I sort of uh, did a little work with an organization called the Coin Laundry Association. I was going to write them software. And it uh, turns out one of their board members said, have you ever heard of this other software called IMUS? I had never heard of it. Uh, ended up becoming a solution provider and sort of uh, the rest is history. Uh, started doing work with associations and then somewhere along the way uh, got in with the fraternal uh, side of things and the chapter based and uh, just been along for the ride since then. And, and so how long has CSI been in, in business now? Just celebrated our 29th year back to the uh, me being seven and a half. So I right. like to tell people I'm a, a whopping 47. I don't I think that might be a lie, though. <laughs> well, over that uh, period of time and so you've been you've been doing this. You've been an entrepreneur for a long time. What's been the biggest challenge that you have faced along the way as uh, the leader of the company? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, probably a lot of uh, your uh, your Listeners of this podcast are probably entrepreneurs as well, and they probably have probably better stories. Um, as you know, there's so many ups and downs in having your own business. I was thinking about this, and it probably has to be um, a coworker I had um, in a leadership position here. We were not seeing eye to eye. And the real challenge with that was I felt about half the staff was very loyal to that person. Um, possibly more loyal to that person than me. And so as I thought this through and I thought, you know, probably not good for the two of us to continue working at the same company. How do I, uh, how do I move on? If I part ways with this coworker and lose half my staff, what happens to my company? So I would say that probably was my biggest challenge in the 29 years of CSI. You know, I've, I've heard of a lot of different challenges and uh, having partners or coworkers uh, where you come to a point or a fork in the road, sometimes you don't necessarily see eye to eye. Uh, that's not unusual. And so when you came up on that challenge, how did you overcome that? What did you do? What was your solution to that? Oh, I think just like anybody in that same situation, you do absolutely nothing for several years uh, because you're <laughs> paralyzed with fear. Uh, so I did uh, did as instructed and did nothing. And then, um, believe it or not, the CEBI group, uh, my local board, really helped me. Uh, they encouraged me to uh, part ways and basically said, "Hey, if you're if you're serious about your company and the long term, you know, life of it, you you have to 
you have to part ways. There will be some repercussions and you will deal with it just like you've dealt with other things. So that really was, uh, that was, that was how I got through it. We did part ways and I did lose, uh, some of my staff as, as expected and things have been okay. You know, I remember what a painstaking decision that was for you to undergo and, and how you really struggled with coming to that point. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, that you were able to come to a conclusion to be able to pull the trigger on, on doing what you needed to do with that. And so what kind of impact has that, has that had on you or what have you learned from that situation, Doug? Well, interesting. Um, I'm reminded of a fellow board member who taught me a new broom sweeps clean. And uh, that really was uh, when that when that gentleman said that to me, that really was that was the biggest impact. And I have to say he was right. The biggest thing that I can say is, although I lost some staff, they were replaced with people that uh, I find to be amazing. And uh Probably at the end of the day, we have a much stronger and healthier company and staff uh, because of those changes. Doug, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard of people struggle with making that decision. And then after they've done it and they've gone through a period of time of, you know, remorse or did I make the right decision or is is this? Uh, the direction that we really wanted to have, did I have, you know, buyer's remorse or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it it ultimately comes down to, in, in the end, usually that good things happen as, as a result. Not always, but for the most part, you know, some good things happen in there. And so thanks for sharing that experience with us, Doug. And I'd like to sort of pivot here for just a moment and maybe uh, switch switch gears and, and move over towards uh, a positive aspect and just ask you what's been your biggest success that you have enjoyed since uh, leading CSI? Well, I'd like to say it's that my staff hasn't killed me yet, but uh, I don't think that's appropriate. So, uh, you know, I, I think our products that we make, uh, I feel really good about them. Uh, and I love the fact when someone comes up to me at a conference and says, you changed my life. You know, this product that we put in uh, a year or two ago has changed our life. But really, that's it's hard to point to a product or a series of products as our biggest success. success. I really think if I have to think about that, it's my staff. Watching them grow, watching them be curious, watching them become so much more than what they were than when they started. So I'm most proud and I think my biggest success or CSI's biggest success has been its staff. Um, just just the amazing things they've done and uh, the different people they are and all these livelihoods and just uh, being centered around one company. So I've got to point to them as the biggest success. So can you trace back and identify maybe what contributed to that? Yeah, I, I think that, as I mentioned back in the late 90s, when uh, we were CSI was doing several different things, programming, we were doing custom programming, we were a managed service provider, if you will, you know, helping computer networks, and we were doing our not-for-profit business. And I read a book called uh, Focus. I think the title's Focus, the future of your company depends on it. And Al Rise wrote this book. 
And really the concept of this book was, you know what, do one thing and do it well. So after reflecting on that, I started to think, hmm, I'm doing all these different things. How do you get the right people to do this and the right people to do that and the right people to do this when we're doing such different things? So I actually got rid of the custom programming business and the managed service business for computers. And we started focusing just on the not-for-profits, the IMIS software. And that really allowed me to hire the right people, people that were dedicated to that industry, people that believed in where we were going and why we were doing it. And I ended up getting a very consistent group of customers and staff that were all aligned. So I think that probably was the turning point to focus the business on one thing and then hire for that one thing. And what's been the result of that, Doug, since you've pivoted away from those other areas and you focused on the nonprofit software arena? What has that done for your business? Where where has it uh, where has it taken it? Well, it was interesting when I made that decision. I remember looking at our customer list, and I think we had fifty customers at the time, and about twelve of them were the not for profits. And when I looked at our revenue, we were like, oh my gosh, eighty percent of the revenue was coming from those twelve clients. So where it took my business, you know, obviously through the ups and downs of the last twenty nine years. We have now, we're having better years and we're making better decisions. So when I talk about a product that changes someone's lives, we're able to do that because we understand their pain. We're able to do that because we understand their business. So I think it also has made it very easy to not get pulled into other directions. Sometimes a pot of gold that's just sitting to your right and you go, gosh, we have to do that. That's easy money. We should take it now. That's a big mistake. If it drives you away from your focus, you're going to take your eyes off the road and you're going to crash. So I would say that our growth has been consistent since we made that decision. That's probably been the biggest thing. The ups and downs have been smoothed out, if that makes any sense. So you're telling me that you've taken your eyes off the road and crashed a few times? Have you you actually (laughs) done that? (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes, Kevin, I have, uh, as, as I think anybody in this role has. Sometimes uh, you have you decide that something looks great, you do it, and then you find out. And of course, that's a lesson that we've all learned. The faster you recognize your mistake, and as you said, pivot and go back to what you do best, uh, the faster you will recover. But yes, just like any entrepreneur, I've, I've seen amazing stuff and been led towards it. So at least I have a really good group of leadership team here at CSI now that helps me when uh, I start to take my eyes off the road. So when you say those shiny objects, you have somebody that sort of reels you back in and, uh, and, and gets you back on track. I wouldn't say they get me back on track, but they reel me back in. <laughs> so I, I have a I have an incredible leadership team that knows. I guess the best way to say is they know how to talk to me. Uh, as, as with any any leadership team, respect is the key. And I, I feel that my leadership team and and our current staff here at CSI, all my coworkers do respect me, and they respect each other. And that really helps when you do need to talk to someone and talk them off a a crazy ledge that they're about to jump off of. So let's let's dive into that for just a moment, Doug. You you brought up a very interesting topic. I mean, I'm sure that you and your staff have been able to have some very open, transparent conversations, uh, or at least it sounds that way to me. 
And is that the case is, is that, that you and your staff, I mean, you, you mentioned that there's respect there, obviously, but you mentioned that, you know, your staff can, can talk to you and they can maybe influence uh, your ideas and you guys can have some healthy dialogue there. Is, is that correct? Yeah, I'm always encouraging them to challenge me. I, I have no problem with them uh, disagreeing with me. I have no problem with them telling me I'm wrong, as long as it's once again done in a respectful way. And I'm actually going to be doing some training uh, in the next month on the top five things you should be doing that you're probably not doing. And that revolves around the software we sell, but I'm actually going to, the last one's going to be listen. I think that we are all poor listeners. And it is very hard, and I still have to work at it, when an employee is talking to me and I know uh, he or she is wrong, uh, it is very hard to not interrupt them and listen. And I have found that if I have that discipline and I listen, nine times out of 10, I learn something. I may not agree with them at the end, but I also am just about positive they weren't as silly as I thought they were in the beginning of the conversation. So there's always stuff there and it's so hard to shut up and listen, but I think everybody should be practicing that on a regular basis. You know, even time, even though sometimes we think we may have the answer figured out in our head, I, I'll bet that you've been surprised sometimes just by sitting there and listening and getting another perspective or another opinion or another idea or another thought. I'm not saying that you had to always agree with it, but I, I guarantee you, you, you probably have picked up a couple of new ideas or some new thoughts by doing that. Having the patience to do that, to listen, has been eye-opening. And as I get older, it gets harder uh, because I think as we get older, we know everything or we think we know everything. But uh, I think I find out every year I'm a little dumber. So uh, I listen, especially these uh, young uh, young people working at CSI. They have a lot to teach me, and it is fun to learn from them as well as kind of teach them, too. So you mentioned that uh, the older you get, that you think you know uh, more and more, uh, and it's getting harder to listen. So are you reverting back to a 13-year-old? I uh, well, my uh, I believe my maturity level has never gone beyond 13. So uh, I would say that yes, I'm staying at 13. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Doug, for sharing some of those successes and 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 you know, how you've overcome those and how you've grown through those aspects of your career. So I'm going to pivot once again here, just sort of ask you what you believe makes some companies or leaders successful, maybe while others struggle going forward. Interesting question. I think it's money. I think that when you are short on cash and you are forced to do things that are not in your wheelhouse or maybe not as moral or ethical as you'd like them to be because you're desperate. I think you are uh, swayed by the dark side, if you will. I was lucky CSI did not make, I didn't have a consistent salary until year five. I was fortunate to be married to someone who uh, was able to provide. And when I needed to pay my staff, they got paid before me. So I was able to do the right thing the whole time. And because I didn't have to uh, go without, go, I didn't have to have staff that had to go without pay. I could pay my rent. I could pay my staff. And that was really, really important. But there's another key thing that I think has been a big help. And that's 
an advisory board like CEBI. I actually have two advisory boards. One is of my peers, my competitors, if you will. We get together a couple times a year. And then I have CEBI. And I think those two groups of people have been eye-opening. I love my peers because they're in the same industry as me and they have the same challenges. But what I really love about CEBI is they don't come up with the same excuses that my peers might because they don't know about them. So the CEBI group gives me a very eye-opening insight into how a different business leader in a different industry views something and what he or she sees as pure clarity that I don't see. And so it is kind of funny to finish describing a challenge to my local board and then have them say, are you a moron? (laughs) The answer (laughs) is right in front of you. And it normally is, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it because I was so in the weeds, in the business. And even my peer advisory group, they couldn't see it either because they were in the weeds too. So having money, meaning having enough money so that you don't have to take shortcuts or take business that's not right for you. And then having a local advisory group uh, or national as it is with CBI as well, really has been the thing that I think makes people successful. You know, Doug, you you brought up uh, at the very beginning of this discussion, you you brought up a a topic or or a subject about how you went so long, five years almost before you had a consistent salary. And a lot of people, you know, they are very attracted to business ownership. And, you know, there, there can be a lot of attractiveness or a draw or appeal to people to say, hey, you know, I own a business and, and uh, I, I've had this thing for, you know, for so long. But what they sometimes don't realize is that it's your name signed on the bottom line and, you know, the sacrifices that you make. Sometimes at the beginning, especially if it's a startup company like you made of not having a consistent salary there for for five years. I I know that when I uh, purchased chief executive boards, I did the same thing. I actually went a year without a salary just to make sure that we had sufficient reserves uh, and and a healthy balance sheet to capitalize the business. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that or see that aspect of of business ownership and you lived it, you breathed it, you walked through that fire. And uh, now you're, you're to the point where you've got a nice, healthy business uh, and things are clicking and, and going pretty well. Hopefully you guys are making it through this COVID situation uh, pretty well. How's that going? You know, it's going, it's going well right now because our, our, clients have had to shift in their approach and they need our help for that. Obviously, they're going to as membership organizations. The good news about membership organizations is people are loyal to them. Uh, So that is one of the things that they will cut last out of a budget, but sometimes uh, tough times call for tough decisions. So obviously, I'm worried about the future. If my clients start to uh, have membership uh, losses, we're going to be in some trouble. Uh, trouble is it's just another bump in the road, if you will, but it's an opportunity. <laughs> I think my staff uh, would love a breather right now. We've been very busy this uh, this summer trying to help our clients switch to virtual conferences and this this entire new world we're in. And we would like a break, but I think we're rushing today because we're trying to help them uh, stay in business and survive, which has been really powerful. And, you know, while the five years that I started CSI, 
was, was pretty brutal. I do think that a lot of people could be entrepreneurs. Uh, if anybody's listening to this and you've thought of being an entrepreneur, I think you can do it. You just have to make sure you have enough uh, money saved up to do it. That's the whole key. And I was, I was blessed. I lived at home when I started CSI. I worked out of my mom's basement and, uh, I was able to start down with the uh, the knotty wood pine walls in the basement and didn't need any rent or anything and had dinner cooked for me every night. So, boy, if we all could have that, I think a lot more of us could be entrepreneurs. Boy, what a great way to start a business. <laughs> what, a, what a head start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was interesting, that's for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Doug, so what makes you optimistic about the future of your business right now? Uh, that's a great question. I think it goes back to my staff. When I, a, another great book I read way back when that I think a lot of people uh, listening to this might have read is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I think it was uh, Henry Ford that said, surround yourself with people smarter than you. I feel that's happening now and has been happening for the last couple years at CSI. The, as I talk about the younger staff members, really driving me and driving the company, I feel good. I feel good that these people, I hope, will lead this company someday and continue on with the legacy that we're, we're, we're slowly building. And that's what makes me optimistic, that there's a future for CSI and that future is already here right now. It's the people that surround me on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll tell you, these younger people are so smart. And it must be so refreshing to have somebody on the team or have people on your team that's actually helping you to pull the wagon. And you're not the one feeling like the whole load is strapped onto your shoulders and you're the one having to pull the wagon all the time. That does. Uh, yeah, that, that actually makes me feel a lot better that stuff now happens without my guidance. And I think it might happen better than if I was guiding it. So I think it makes me feel better and worse at the same time. <laughs> well, Doug, I really appreciate you sharing your insights uh, today and a little bit about your company and your journey along the way. Uh, it's just been fantastic. We're just about out of time, and I want to wrap this up. Uh, so where where is the best place for our listeners to go to connect with you and learn more about uh, uh, CSI? Uh, well, if you're interested, uh, our website, which is CSI Inc, CSIinc.com, has a lot of great information on it. My LinkedIn uh, shortcut there, if you will, is Doug C. Morris altogether. So if you just go to LinkedIn.com and then Doug C. Morris, you'll find me there as well. Uh, and if you have a, a larger not-for-profit that you need help with, uh, we'd love the uh, the opportunity to help. But uh, at the same time, if you would just, if you have any questions about what we talked about here on this and you want to disagree or agree, I'm always willing to, to have an uh, a engaging conversation uh, with anybody that wants to have one. So those are probably the two best ways to get a hold of me. Well, I'd like to uh, thank our guest, Doug Morris, today. Again, his company is uh, CSI and uh, just a, a wonderful individual to get to know. Hey, Doug, thanks so much for being here, and uh, I look forward to reconnecting with you again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it very much. The Lessons from the Boardroom podcast is sponsored by Chief Executive Boards. It's lonely at the top, but that doesn't mean you need to go it alone. We've got your back. At Chief Executive Boards, you have access to business best practices, insights, and resources that can help you eliminate the stress, anxiety, and pitfalls of running a business. 
Whenever you're ready, here's how we can help. Number one, get a copy of Kevin's book, In Search of Balance, The Business Owner's Guide to Building a Business and a Life at chiefexecutiveboards.com slash book. Number two, attend a Chief Executive Boards event in your area to find out if CEBI can help you. For a list of upcoming events in your area, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com slash events or call 864-527-5917.